0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Embodied Business Inspired Brain Podcast. Episode 30. We're really excited. This is going to be like a two-part deal for you. Today, we're going to be talking about what fight or flight, fight and flight looks like in your business. We've been doing a lot of coaching and working with um, entrepreneurs and coaches and educators around this concept, really helping them to become more familiar with how their nervous system responds to different aspects of their business. So excited to share this with you. We're going to talk about all the different ways it can show up, shows up for me differently than it shows up for Anne. So we're going to take it from those two angles and then share with you some of the ways in which we see it coming up for the folks that we're working with. So... We're going to start off with our what's in process, what's in progress. I always defer to you, Anne, but you want me to start this time? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Um, Well, I think on a very, very interesting and seemingly unrelated note, I have not had caffeine in over two weeks. And I'm coming off of a period of time... As you know, Anne, of like just really feeling pushed and tired and overworked. we've had so many amazing things going on um, but life has compounded that and one of the choices I made to support myself with that and other and in other ways is to stop drinking caffeine and I am having a very interesting experience. I am more tired at night, but but it's like, okay. And, I, and I'm just like, I need more sleep. I just... It, but it doesn't feel bad and it doesn't feel heavy. I'm like, so I'm getting more sleep. Because there's like no disruption. But the flip side of that is my energy is so like intense almost. Like during the day for the most part, except for like that natural, you know, afternoon lull that we all get my energy feels like brighter and more crystalline and my brain is more focused. Um, So I'm really appreciating that because it is definitely, definitely supporting me in just slowing down and, and changing some behaviors, some other behaviors. So that's what's in process and progress for me. And I'm just delighted. Actually, I thought it would be really hard and I thought it would be miserable, but I'm loving it. And I'm loving the the ripple effects that it's having on how how my brain is working and how my nervous system is functioning, honestly.
1: I mean, that's a really impressive shift because I literally have coffee (laughs) next to me. It's my first cup. I'm only like probably five sips in. But yeah, it's still part of my ritual and and I enjoy it quite a bit. But behavior change is something that... um, It's funny, I never used to think that I... Was that attracted to behavior change? Although, of course, I'm interested in like growth. But the reality is, I think I just had a different like word choice for it or thought of it. And um, I know one of the ways, like for what's in process and what's in progress for me is one of the ways that I seek out behavior change is actually through travel. Mm. Um and I was able to travel uh, to Switzerland with a business retreat and speak on it. So I'll give a shout out to Luxury and Business Retreats. That was a wonderful experience with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I would say that um, when I get away from the day-to-day, and as particularly now that I have people that I, you know, smaller people that I care for, just not having to do the day-to-day. And then it's just like so eye-opening. Like when I I, I was on a train uh, in Switzerland and I was traveling from Geneva and I'd seen my friends. Uh, this is another amazing thing that I hadn't seen since like 97. Mm. Um, when we had done an exchange, uh, they came here, I went there, they came here, uh, some sisters in Geneva. And I was on the train just by myself. <laughs> and I just was like, wow, I've not been... You know, abroad by myself in like nine years. Um, and it's been, you know, I think for everyone in the world the last few years, uh, certainly there's been a lot going on and everybody suffered together through the COVID experience. But I also at the same time had small children. So there's just a lot of life change.
0: Um, mm-hmm. so
1: yeah, it just it just felt really good. And then every time I come back from any sort of trip or any sort of break. I, it's almost like I like the trip. I like going places, but I love the changes that happen afterwards. And I just always trust that they're going to happen, and then they're going to. There's going to be changes, um, and there were quite a few changes from that trip. And I think I'll spread those out through the what's in progress <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: process. Yeah, I think it's like for me too with the with my trip to India. There's the nuggets keep popping up unexpectedly. And I'm, I'm having that experience with you watching you transition, although you've been back for, you know, many weeks now that there are all of these little yeah. nuggets that keep rising up that you didn't even know were there, that somehow <laughs> the trip was a catalyst for, you know, the shift.
1: Yeah, I'm just... I think it is important for, for people to step away. And, it you know, it doesn't have to be international. It doesn't have to be far-flung places. But I think it's important that people everybody gets the opportunity to 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 rest to rejuvenate <laughs> it's been a lot
0: i want to just dive right into let's let's take a zoom zoom out really quickly and just say what is fight or flight exactly so the nervous system has the autonomic nervous system has several responses and when we are in a a safe state a state where all of our bodily systems are harmonized um that's called homeostasis it's the place where we can truly rest where we can digest and we can restore in that place where the nervous system is sending signals to the brain that says you're totally safe you can be vulnerable you can be with people you know you can rest if you want but you can also be in action if you want it's also that place where we can socially engage, right? So we can connect with people. We feel safe being close to people or speaking to people. Our communication is optimized. Our learning is optimized. Our brain is optimized. Literally, we can hear and see better. We're also better communicators through our facial expressions, our tone of voice. Um, That's all like built into this really beautiful, complex um, expression of one aspect of the nervous system called your ventral state. And then the nervous system decides you are not safe. And it goes through what's called a hierarchical process. So it's always going to respond in steps sequentially always. So when we begin to not feel safe, when we feel threatened in some way and it's not just life threat, it's um, ego threat, it's social threat, psychological threat. Our nervous system will start to move toward what's called the sympathetic state. Now, sympathetic is fight or flight, right? So it is um, as opposed to a parasympathetic response, which would be more like that ventral state I was talking about. So when you go into sympathetic, then you are either... Um, going to you know like put up your dukes <laughs> and and start to fight it out right this this is called I can you're in an I can state or I can energy where uh, uh, for a little bit that I can energy can be very helpful where it's not really dysregulating but it's energizing it makes us think slightly differently but it puts us in action the beautiful place. In in that phase is we can still communicate well, although a little differently, and we can still make good decisions. We can make decisions. We can hear. We can see. Our brain's still like functioning well, but not too far after that, we really get into dysregulated fight or flight, where we are now potentially behaving badly <laughs> and feeling badly, and either we are gonna we're gonna fight right? We're going to lean in, in not such a positive way. We're going to give you some examples of that. Or we can can flee, right? We can go into flight, which is we are like not going to look. We're going to divert. We're going to procrastinate. We're going to do all these things. We're literally going to run away figuratively, maybe. Well, figuratively and maybe literally from whatever it is that we're not feeling safe about. And this is happening unconsciously, folks this the nervous system, it's brilliantly designed to keep us safe without us having to think about it. And so therein lies though the problem is that we can get into this fight or flight state and and not really realize that our nervous system is pushing us to behave this way, and then we behave in the patterns that we've developed. Um, which is a whole nother series of 10 podcasts to talk about that. (laughs) So that's that's fight or flight. And so what we'd love to share with you in this episode is just how that might manifest so that between now and episode 31, you can start to get curious about how it's manifesting in you and in your business. And what is your experience of fight or flight in, in business and all of the different ways you've been in business? Over the years?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I started in business selling flowers door to door. I was about, like, I don't know, seven years old. I wanted some quarters. Um...
0: Oh my God, I did not know that. I love yeah, it.
1: I mean, I just have been in business. Like, I don't know. There was just something like, well, there's a straight line for me to get what I want. Um, there was a time in my teenage life, I wasn't, I was um, working at the Renaissance Fair. <laughs> in Northern California, yeah, you basically you just earned a commission on on what you earned, and you'd walk away at the end of the day with cash in hand. So mm-hmm. um, definitely, like, there's been a lot of. Um, and then I I formally came into entrepreneurship at twenty, at about about twenty three years old is when I opened my a uh, uh, Pilates studio. And then I ran that for 20 years, if you haven't um, if you haven't listened to some of our, our business, our work before. I
0: love that so much. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I mean, it's definitely something that it's just... I don't know. It's just like... But to answer your question, I think for me, this has been a little bit harder to untangle maybe because I, although I have project-based worked for companies, which has been fabulous. I've worked for a few companies on project-based ways. I have not. I'm trying to think, I've been employees of my own businesses, <laughs> but I've not—I've not been an employee of many other businesses. I'd have to think. Uh, well, in high school, I was, but anyways, um, yeah. So it was a little bit like because it's so close, the the entrepreneurship experience is so close to me. It's like I almost don't know any other way to operate in the world,
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: think that that lack of comparison has sometimes just made me think like, oh, well, I'm not experiencing fight or flight. Like this is just how it is.
0: (laughs) Mm. Yeah, right. I mean, I think a lot of us, I mean, most of us are probably just unconscious of it. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And you know, that's right. And it's probably true for people who work in large corporations or, you know, I mean, um, and, and different things. I think I've been able to compare that a bit with my partner, um, my husband, he, you know, he 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 is an employee for jobs, and I also, of course, see that level of stress that that is there for him as well, although it, I think it's different. But I think some of the ways that I really find fight or flight expressing it, itself in in my in my experience in business is I'm going to lean into something called the scarf model, which is. Mm-hmm through um, the NeuroLeadership Institute, which both Chantel and I have been trained in. But it as you were speaking earlier, I just felt very um, drawn to, to bring this topic up. It's just this idea that if, if... So SCARF is an acronym that stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. And the point of this model is to see, you know, if... If, you're, if your status is threatened, if your certainty is threatened, if your autonomy is threatened, if your relatedness is threatened or your sense of fairness is threatened, you're going to come more into um, a fight or flight. And so as I sort of look at my experience as an entrepreneur, as a leader through those lenses, I definitely feel that, um, you know, people can have that experience of status. Like I remember um, the first time I... Very crucially said. I'm going to hire someone who I think is better than me at the service that I'm providing in my business, Mm -hmm. Um, because you know it's kind of comfortable being at the top and everyone thinks you're the best. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want it to. I don't want to provide the services anymore in my business. I want to lead my business, so I need someone else to be to be that strong. And so that was an experience that I've had. Lack of certainty in my business has felt. Like, not like when I was going through the process of of selling my studio, there was a lot of lack of certainty, and so that led to a lot of stress. And unfortunately, I didn't know all of these terms quite at that time, and I think it would have been so helpful. But ways in which I have um, responded to stress has been. I think I'm going to kind of divide... So I was an entrepreneur long before I had children. I had children a little bit later in life. And so my business was my first baby. And it was very easy for me at that point in my life to go into a state of um, sympathetic that was very action-oriented and very pushing. And like, oh yeah, I'll work 21 days in a row. Like, (laughs) I, I oh, I just did that? Like, it just wasn't... I don't know. I mean, it was... But at the moment, I was like, I just worked 21 days in a row. That's silly. Um, But I just sort of... um, Yeah, that's just what I did. And then post-children and really having childcare come into the way, I found that I more retreated in my business. When I would feel overwhelmed, I think, because there were just so many more demands put Mm on me. Mm -hmm. And retreating looked like not having hard conversations with employees. Retreating looked like not making decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, I also had some like health challenges thrown in the mix. (laughs) Like one after the other. So I think like my nervous system was like, it's too much. You have to like focus on your health. You need to focus on obviously, you know, your family and <laughs> Maslow's hierarchy of need, like getting food on the table. Um, yeah, I, I've seen my reaction to... You ha- I mean, I think what it is, is it's just not static, right? Like the way that you're going to react to fight or flight within your business is going to change, I think, depending on what happens in your life. And yeah. at this moment in the arc of humanity, I still, you know, women are still generally doing the lion's share of domestic work um and so even if everybody has good intentions <laughs> and so we definitely go through seasons of life and we we see that shift and change i think the way we are the way our stress response manifests changes depending on other demands that are put on in
0: our life yeah and it's even more subtle than that and more moment to moment than that i mean honestly and because the way we respond is based on our you know, biochemical makeup. Like what did we put in our bodies today or yesterday? How much sleep did we get? Like my example of no caffeine, like, you know, what is our nutrition like? So there's there's so many things that impact our ability to what Stephen Porges calls neurocept, right? It's the unconscious assessment of risk that our nervous system is engaged in all the time. So it can change in in big seasons of our life, obviously, but then it can also be nuanced by these other, you know, subtle, subtle things. I want to just clarify that you know, Anne's using the language retreat. So retreat is a is a interchangeable word that we use for flight. Right, so when you retreat, when you turn away, like we we can use lots of different ways to express that, but that is a that's a product of that sympathetic flight fleeing <laughs> experience. And I love that you brought up the scarf model. And I'm sitting here reflecting on like, well, what areas do I have? I found most, uh, you know, where I'm getting the most triggered, in- right fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A fascinating way to look at it. And I would encourage those of you who are listening to take time. And now you've got some homework. This is homework. Uh, um, to explore like in, in these different areas, where do you find that you're most triggered? And honestly, I've been thinking a lot about like, well, what is the easiest first step to shifting our nervous system? And sometimes it's just, you got to stop you just like literally have to stop long enough to to notice right so when we have a model like this to reflect on it stops us right yes. it allows us to stop for a moment and 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 shares so much of this beautiful attention uh, attentional science work in in the work that we do and and what i have learned and interpreted for myself is it's that shift of attention it's like just turning You just literally turn your mind into a different direction and it can be everything. But that's a stop, right? It's like stop and turn and look at something else, whether you're looking at the same thing through a different lens or you're literally stopping and and walking out to change your environment. But we're going to get into all of that in our next episode. I think I really am most like historically triggered by uh, certainty and autonomy. I think are the two big, big ones for me. Um, and I think for me, I very rarely experience flight. <laughs> I just I think this is like a a part of my neuroanatomy like development, like the way my brain developed and influenced my nervous system and vice versa as a child that like flight just never was an option or something in me that just resists that. So I spend a lot of time in fight, (laughs) as Anne will tell you. Um, And it manifests in a lot of different ways. And what I have learned to appreciate and have extended a lot of compassion for myself around is, is that beginning portion of flight that I was describing earlier, that is the I can state that is not necessarily dysregulating. It, it, it's energizing and puts us into action. Um, and so to appreciate that that is, you know, in me and allows me to get a lot done and to take action very quickly. But then the the like progression of that into dysregulated ICANN energy or dysregulated fight energy um, is like unwilling to not take action, like upset. Mm-hmm. Obsess- about taking action and like demanding action being taken. And I literally, I mean, I can just, the thing is, is your brain just literally does not function as well in that state. Because as you were talking, Anne, I was thinking, yeah, when you have kids and you have all these demands, you know, we're both moms and, you know, take care of households and whatnot. It's like, Your brain, like your attention narrows, it has to. That's a product of your nervous system. Like, if we were living 2000 years ago and we were being chased by a lion, your brain literally stops seeing and hearing everything else except for the lion, which is what allows you to run or fight or do whatever you want. So I definitely have that sense of like grippiness in my body, in my mind, like the narrowing of like, it's almost like fixatedness. And there is a very dysregulated, almost like angry energy in that for me sometimes, where the other like emotional states that are accompany that are like agitation or, um, annoyance or lack of tolerance, even like I notice when I'm really overwhelmed, because that's an experience that I equate to that the sends me into fight or flight, um, is like my hearing is very sensitive. So I get triggered very easily by sound. We were just talking about the leaf blowers out my front door at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> How annoyed I get about that. So yeah taking taking intense action and just being like a bully a little bit i think you know about it not intentionally obviously but that that is that is one of the primary fight responses that i have um but we do see we do see a lot of retreating i would say in our in our in the folks that we work with as like a a very readily accessible expression of their fight or flight response, yeah, and I, I
1: love that you bring that up. I mean, I think some of it is the context. So with some of the people um that we work with, it's like we're're we're, we're inviting them to create something totally new that they've never done before. Um, in some of the work, or we're were supporting them in creating something, or sometimes there's a big identity shift happening. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, so if you are also in a field like that, where you're supporting people through identity shift, or you're supporting people um, in creation, in creating something, or you're supporting people maybe like, even in their awareness <laughs> of which you know is an identity shift i think when when you become aware of something all of a sudden there's different feelings about that um and just awarenesses you didn't have before that yeah one of the things that um Chantel and i really work to do is to support people becoming aware that yeah retreating is something is something that that we do or it, it is like a biological response (laughs) to feeling a little overwhelmed, which, you know, a.k.a. Um, fight or flight. And it's not something to be ashamed of. It's just like how, it's like our biology. It's just what we do. (laughs) So I have a really good example of this. Um, (laughs) I remember when my, we were looking to buy a home and we were living at my parents' with my stepdaughter and my six-month-old daughter and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like had never been a mom to a baby before. Although my stepdaughter, I'd been in her life for for a while at that point. But I met her when she was 11. But I, I remember I was like, okay, it was the time of MOOCs, Massive Online. I forget what the other O is, C, M-O-O-C. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna like... I I recently had been out of grad school, not too long. And I was like, okay, I really want to jump on this. So I I purchased an online course to learn how to develop courses. And I got like three weeks in and I was just like, I can't keep going. <laughs> I just couldn't keep going. And I th- actually looking back, I think some of it was the relatedness because the course that I had purchased, there weren't a lot of people in there that I felt were doing something similar to me at that time. I was coming from a health and wellness background and back in that time. And like, I was goodness, it was 15, 2015. Just not a lot of people were doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, At least at that, at least in the course that I had signed up for. So I always love to tell that story to people because now my whole business, my whole life is like designing and creating online work and just educational products that go beyond a Pilates studio, which is like so embodied. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I'm much more in the digital place, but also, Chantal and I offer other offerings like retreats and workshops and all the things. But yeah, it's okay. Like, just give yourself. (laughs) That's one of the biggest things I love about the awareness of your nervous system and the behaviors that can come up. You just have a lot of self-compassion. Yes. And I think um self-compassion was not something that came to me at all much at all until I really learned this work. Cause you're like, oh well, that's just how our bodies are <laughs> and our minds are. And you can't separate the two. So like it's okay. So yeah. I'm hoping other people, when you're listening to that pod this podcast, you can have a sense of self-compassion as well.
0: Yeah, I was just rereading some work um, from Deb Dana and she was mm-hmm. writing some uh, research around compassion. Um, and and then we know the work of Stephen Porges around gratitude, but both compassion and gratitude practices trigger the parasympathetic nervous system. So the rest and digest aspect of your autonomic nervous system Um And I think it's so poignant. And we think we'll talk more about that in the next episode around strategies that you can employ. Both, I want to talk about one preventative strategy, one in the moment strategy, and one long-term strategy. And then give you a little bit of background around why those things work so you can understand it. And I want to just end the conversation today with two things. One is that as you're exploring So the SCARF model, again, so we invite you to look at how your nervous system is responding through um, its relationship to status, to certainty, to autonomy, to relatedness and fairness, specifically in your work environment, whether you own your own business or you're working as an employee, et cetera, for somebody else. And and to be very thoughtful about the moment when self-judgment comes in. And criticism comes in because it can very easily take that turn, right? When we start to kind of look inward, um, it, it just can turn into a not so nice kind of scenario. So stay gentle, stay in compassion, know that the responses that you're having are unconscious and then you later are making sense of them. And that's what we really are here to support you with doing is how do you make sense of them in a different way that actually allows you to behave better (laughs) and get better results and feel better. So all of that in the next episode. And then if you're listening right away, um, today is November 10th. We want to let you know that we have a really awesome uh, workshop coming up called The Overwhelm Cure. It's November 17th. That's a Friday from 1.15 to 2.45 p.m. PST. And I think it's probably one of our most affordable slash accessible offers that we've ever made. It's $47. And um, we really... We want everybody to come. So whatever field you're in, whether you're an educator, or you are a leader, or you are a coach, or you're an entrepreneur, and you sell doorknobs, like whatever it is, come and check out this work. If you're curious, it's a super low-risk opportunity to really see this work in action and take away some tools so that you can change the way you relate to your business and do business in the coming year. Anything else to add to that, Anne? I think that's it. Thank you. Okay, we'll see you on the next episode.